when i look back to those days i really wonder how we got any work done without phones i used to walk for 15 minutes to the highway to make phone calls it was a very different time and we managed but it was also inconvenient and stressful because i always wondered if i was missing out on offers because i didn't have a phone i heaved a huge sigh of relief when my application for a telephone in the shere punjab house finally got approved and i got a landline i even got a gas connection at the same time and having these two finally made me feel more permanent in bombay like i belonged my landline rang one morning and i answered it with a big smile on my face it was so good to hear that ring which was meant only for me and nobody else from the other end came a deep sexy voice that made me feel like a giddy school girl hello it said can i speak to nina gupta please yes this is nina gupta who's calling this is satyajit ray oh my god my heart just jumped to my throat my landline rang and it was a call from the mr ray he had a role for me he said his son sandeep ray was making a series of short film and he wanted to cast me in one of them i said yes immediately and spent the rest of the day calling my family and friends to tell them about it we shot in kolkata now kolkata in this quaint little bungalow they put us up in kenilworth hotel which was plush green and luxurious even girish karnad and a few other actors from bombay's film scene were there so we immediately got together we arrived the day before the shoot was to begin after settling in and freshening up we went over to mr ray's house for tea and samosas we were then invited to noted theater personality shyamanand jalan's home for dinner i came back to my room feeling amazing and went straight to bed i had to rest up for my shoot the next day but later that night i woke up with the worst stomach ache i quickly ran to the bathroom and threw up for the next 3 hours my guts wrenched out of my system as i had diarrhea it was the absolute worst case of food poisoning i had ever had i didn't want to disturb anyone but as i started to feel faint and found my legs giving way under me i picked up the phone and called girish karnad i told him my condition and asked him to call a doctor girish came over to my room and took a look at me his wife was a doctor so he knew a thing or two about these things he immediately called room service and asked them to send up a home remedy that would control my sickness at least until they could get a doctor don't worry he told me i'll call mr ray and tell him the situation you are in no state to shoot i cried so hard after he left because i felt like this was my fault mr b v karnat's words kept coming back to me your body is your instrument you cannot let it go 
you cannot afford to let yourself get sick the next morning a doctor came to examine me and asked me to rest it out i tried to insist that i should go shoot i couldn't stay in bed and inconvenience the whole unit but even mr ray was having none of it they asked me to rest up and see how i felt the next day girish even offered to switch his dated so that he could stay a few extra days if it meant i got better i couldn't let that happen the next day still slightly ill and weak i went to the set to shoot my scenes i was so embarrassed and felt like a complete screw up i don't know how i was going to face the cast and crew after having them cancel the previous day just for me but everyone was really really nice they got me a chair to sit on they asked me what i wanted to eat kept someone by my side to keep me hydrated at all times it brought tears to my eyes mr ray came to visit the sets to see how things were going and sat down to chat with me he spoke to me so warmly like we were old friends i was in awe of him and couldn't believe that the man who had made such iconic films was sitting next to me and talking to me like i was an old friend we had a wonderful conversation and even gossiped and laughed i came home a few days later feeling wonderful about my experience and thanking my lucky stars for my landline without it i don't know i might have missed this beautiful opportunity in kolkata in 1984 i met shankar nag for the very first time on the sets of utsav a period film based on the sanskrit play mricha katika the little clay cart by sudraka the film also starred rekha amjad khan anuradha patel and shekhar suman it was produced by sashi kapoor and was very beautifully designed to represent the period it was set in around 5th century bce the director of the film was girish karnad the film was shot in manipal and i was in awe for the detailing of the sets and our costumes as one of the young women in the film who was playing the role of a servant my costume was just a cloth to cover my chest and a tiny skirt at the bottom the sanskrit student in me was absolutely thrilled because i knew a lot of the language the costumes and the phrases moreover i had studied mrichikatika as a text and was excited to see how it would translate on screen shankar nag a very well reowned actor and producer in the kannada industry played a thief in the film and also my love interest thievery was an art form in the century this story was written they called it chor vidya every thief at that time had their own signature move and they left behind signs in the house they robbed it was called signed which could be a hole in the wall shaped like a bird or something they left behind my character the servant girl madanika lust after shankar nag's sajjal we had to shoot very erotic love making scene which was set to the sound of beats counts and breath sajjal 
breaks in to steal something and enters Madanika's room. She is stunned to see him and asks him to run away before someone else sees him. He tells her to count till 20 because it will take him 17 counts to make love to her and then another 3 to run away. On screen, the scene was very charged and erotic. In person though, I was really nervous, shy and awkward. Dubbing for this scene was even more difficult because I had to make very heavy, breathy sounds while counting and we had to keep redoing it until Girish was happy with the result. Shankar Nag was a big name in the Kannada industry and I was very nervous to work with him. Was he a nice man? Did he have the airs of a big star? What if something made me uncomfortable and I couldn't say anything? Girish could see that I was very nervous and unsure. He didn't want that translating onto screen. So he called up Shankar and requested him to arrive on set two days before we were to shoot so that we could get acquainted with each other. So Shankar and I met for the first time and had a meal together on set. It was very funny and strange for both of us because while we were courteous, we didn't hit it off or become too chatty or friendly. There were just too much pressure on us and it made us feel even more awkward around each other. The day we were to shoot the scene, Girish did everything to make sure that I was comfortable and that the whole thing was treated very tastefully. It also had to look like I wasn't wearing anything on top. So Girish asked everyone who didn't absolutely have to be present to leave. The lighting people had set the scene up in advance. The assistants did their part and left. No still photographs were shot either. In the end, there were only about four people on set, including the sound recordist and the cameraman. Girish was an educated man with a very good eye. This really came through while filming because the end product was tender and sweet just the way he had visualized it. Shankar Nag was a very decent man. I was also very decent, by the way. Our interactions before the scene had been cordial, but not very friendly. But after the scene, we sort of become more comfortable around each other. I guess the awkwardness of doing a lovemaking scene with someone you have only just met can sometimes be the start of a beautiful friendship. We used to joke about our time on set and even laugh at how everyone tried to get us to get too friendly too fast. But that's nothing like an actual sex scene on camera to forge a lifelong friendship. Shankar Nag and I were dear friends. He was a wonderful human being. He was very famous, but he never put up on my airs in front of his friends. He was a Yaroka Yar. He never discriminated between friends who were famous and struggling even though he was such a successful person himself. Utsav didn't do well at the box office. A lot of people found it too erotically charged and panned it. But honestly, I think 
it was a beautiful film that was way ahead of its time i'm really proud to have acted in it until date i think it's among the best scripts i have ever been part of i was starting to feel good about myself as an actor and having put so much into my roles with shyam hoped against hope that he would cast me as the lead in his next film after every project we did together i tell myself next time next time next time but unfortunately it was never to be after trikal shyam cast me in yatra a 15 part tv series for dd which aired in 1986 filming yatra was magnificent because we got to live and film almost entirely on the himsagar express one of the longest running trains of the indian railways that travels from kanyakumari to kashmir the journey was an enjoyable experience as we were getting to visit places in india that we would not otherwise get an opportunity to see the series starred om puri as well and we would often spend time with shyam benegal in his private coupe which was in the last compartment of the train we loved to sit in the little sitting area of his plush room and watch the landscape go by shyam was also very generous and ensured that the food that was cooked on the train was top notch the actors had been put up in corps too and soon enough we personalized our spaces with little trinkets and other memorabilia we had picked up from various stations on the way the three best things about this experience were the trip itself because it was all shot while the train traveled up north the entire train was reserved for us the fact that we were getting to act in a very exciting series i had a double role in this series i played a pregnant punjabi woman who goes into labor on the train and also a rajasthani woman we didn't just shoot inside the train but also got to step out and film a local attractions and monuments the best part about this was that we got to pick up a little something from everywhere we went in kochi when we went to jew street i discovered a quaint little furniture store i fell in love with an antique piece triangular in shape made of solid heavy wood but i was in two minds whether to buy it because i didn't know how to get it to bombay but shyam just waved his hand at me and said it could travel on the train with us the whole train is ours he said it's like we own it go ahead and buy it we'll all keep it in storage until bombay i'm so glad he did that because that cupboard is still with me in my house it's been painted white over the years and is one of my favorite things as yatra shooting came to an end the fact that i had been cast by sham once again but still not as the lead started to really grate on me after years of loyalty and hard work i really felt like i should be the heroine i was hungry for bigger roles but it was also not entirely sham's fault or anyone else's 
I was young and lacked guidance. I kept making the wrong decisions. I also needed the money. So, I couldn't afford to be picky about the roles I played. Lallu Ladki was like a curse that followed me around for a large part of my career. And I feel like there's no one to blame for that except me. I may not have played the lead in Trikal, but I did get an opportunity that no one else in the cast got. Trikal was picked up for screening at a film festival in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and Sham decided to take me along. It was an all-expense-paid trip, which included flights from Bombay via London to Rio and stay at a very posh hotel. I was very excited because I had never been abroad before. And the fact that I was traveling to such an exotic location on my very first trip abroad had me dancing for days. We flew British Airways BA to London and after a stopover at Heathrow, we boarded Varig Airlines straight to Rio. It was a funny experience for me because I was expecting BA, considered a posh airline, to pamper us like crazy. Instead, Varig gave us such good service that we just couldn't believe how lucky we were. For example, on BA, we were served drinks that were smaller than the smallest pegs. We had to literally request them to pour a little more. But on Varig, they poured us such large drinks that we had to ask them to stop. Rio was such a beautiful city that I felt I could just admire it all day. The shopping arcades were amazing and you could tell that all the clothes and colors were suited exactly to brown and dark brown skin. I also couldn't believe how beautiful the women were. They were stunning, dusky and many were of mixed race. They had the most beautiful skin and stood tall. I should have been jealous, but it was impossible when you saw how freely they smiled. When we checked into our hotel, the staff gave us a long briefing on the do's and don'ts around Rio. Don't carry too much cash. Keep all your valuables in the locker in your room. Stay away from certain areas when going out alone etc etc it was a long list and we abided by all their rules we were met at the hotel by uma da kunha a dear friend of shams whom i also became good friends with she was part of the film committee and showed us around a bit in the beginning i felt very shy and didn't want to make too many demands I tried to keep a low profile even around Sham because I didn't want him to regret bringing me along on this trip. It was hard though because when I scanned menus in restaurants or our hotel's buffet, there wasn't even a single vegetarian dish to be found. I once found something that I thought was black dal but it tasted kind of funny. When I asked the waiter what they had put it in it, he said it was beef stock 
and I almost threw up my entire lunch. Shyam was very considerate. He tried to take me shopping, but I didn't want to buy anything. I didn't have much money and I didn't want him to think he had to do me a favor by paying for any of it. But Shyam was really kind. He sensed how awkward I was and told me one morning to go to his locker to take as much money as I liked to buy myself something nice. I told him I couldn't, but he insisted. So I went to his locker and took very little money and headed out to the markets. I didn't pick up anything too expensive though, just two or three simple dresses and a skirt. As the festival was about to begin, we sat down to analyze how to plan our days and which films to watch. But then Sham had other ideas. We can watch these films anytime we like, but we will never get to come back to Brazil, he said. And so we decided to skip a few days of the festival and go traveling. Trikal wasn't being screened until the end of the festival. So we decided to return before that. I'm so glad we made that decision because we got to go to Manaus, Brazil's home to Amazon River. We took the most amazing trip down the river, an experience like no other. The water, black as cola, would suddenly shift into a different color because of the sediment and soil runoff. For a while, it would be completely black and then, without so much as a shade change, it would turn bright yellow. We returned to Rio via Sao Paulo a few days later and started preparing for our premiere. We spent a sleepless night when we found out that our film was still stuck in customs, which was quite strange because a film being held back was unheard of. But Umada Kanha stepped in and pulled some strings to get it released. Our premiere was overwhelming because there were hardly anyone in the audience. Uma said this was okay because the local crowd preferred more commercial films to art house. But we still felt bad about it at the after party. Our trip finally came to an end and it was, to date, the best I have experienced. Sham Benigal was, as I have mentioned before, very intellectual, worldly and knowledgeable. Having him as a travel partner not only enriched my experience but also left me with a whole new perspective of this beautiful world. I will be forever grateful to him and Trikal. In Trikal, which was released in 1985, I had my heart set on playing the lead character, Anna. The main star of the film was, of course, Leela Naidu, who had been a big name in the 1960s, making her mark with films like Ye Raste Hai Pyar Ki. It also starred Nashruddin Shah, Nikhil Bhagat, Anita Kanwar, Soni Razdan, Ila Arun, and Kulbhushan Karbanda. Anna's role wasn't very challenging, but playing it wasn't about showing off my acting abilities. It was about the prestige of being the main heroine in a film. 
it meant that people would get a chance to see me without their lallu ladki glasses we lived in goa for 2 months and filmed in the house of an iconic artist mario miranda what a beautiful house it was it was very reflective of the portuguese style of architecture and even had a basement where they said people were sometimes hidden during the portuguese colonization the film is a love story but also has very strong themes about family secrets and ancestry set during the portuguese colonization of goa in the 1960s it revolves around dona maria souza sors played by lila naidu the matriarch of the family who comes unhinged after the death of her husband she uses her maid milagrinia as a medium to call forth her husband's spirit but instead the wires keep getting crossed and only spirits of those wronged by the family came forth i was very excited to be playing the role of lila naidu's character's granddaughter i had worked with sham in so many films and i had been patiently waiting for a lead role it felt like i was finally getting my dues but a few days after we arrived in goa sham called me aside and said that he wouldn't be giving me the role of anna i would instead play the maid milagrinia at the time i was very scared to ask him why he had changed his mind but a few years later and many films including an hour long ad film on the benefits of soya bean oil for dd later i summoned up the courage to ask him why didn't you give me the role of the main girl i asked him still stinging from the rejection did you not think i would do a good job not at all he said i just thought the role of anna would be very easy for you this role was challenging for an actor of your calibre mollified and also a little flattered i tried not to let my bitterness get the better of me any more the role of anna finally went to sushma prakash and i ended up playing a maid who is also an illegitimate child of the malik of the house in those days it was very common for maliks to have affairs with their house help and while many would chuck the maids out if they got pregnant it wasn't uncommon either for them to keep the children in their homes take care of them but also use them as slaves my character also ends up having an affair with anna's love interest ruiz nikhil bhagat played him as a young man and nashruddin shah the older character who is also narrating the story she still gets pregnant but of course doesn't have a happily ever after because she is after all a servant i was very put off having to play this role because girish words 
after Saat Saat that I would never get the lead part kept ringing in my ears. It stung even more because everyone in the film was dressed in very stylish clothes from the 1960s, Goa, floral frocks and cute skirts with blouses. A lot of outfits had once belonged to Leela Naidu, a very elegant and stylish woman who donated her own personal collection to the film. I, on the other hand, got to wear only a black and white pinafore dress with an apron. But once the filming began, as usual, we lost ourselves in our own work and soon the unit was like a proxy family again. As with all of Sham's film, we all had to report to the set every day, dressed and ready to roll. Many of us had to wait for days and weeks to shoot. So we spent our time enjoying the sounds and scenes of Goa. Some days, the boys would bring chilled beers to the shoot and at night, we would go to a shack to enjoy some music and great food. Our house also had a cafe-like setting right outside where they sold kaju feni. They sold a peck for rupees one feni. I think it's a very acquired taste. The smell was just too strong for us. But we didn't have much of a choice because we were all short on cash. So, we used to buy pecks of feni and gulp them down with rimjim, a masala cola drink that is sadly not available anymore, which cost rupees two. My dear friend Sony was also part of the film, so we often found ourselves walking on the beach. One day, Sony suggested we go sunbathing. I was a very conservative girl and didn't really know what sunbathing was. It's when you put on your bikini and lie on the sand, Sony told me. It didn't sound like the most comfortable thing to do. But I agreed because there was very little to do anyway. So, we wore our bikinis and took off to the beach when the sun was at its peak. By evening, I was really uncomfortable. The prickly heat was making me itch all over and, to Sham's utter horror, we had tanned. This is going to be a continuity problem. You know that, right? He said. We got a verbal lashing that evening and were banned from visiting the beach except in the evening when the sun had set. One day, while filming, a senior actor on set with whom I was working closely had a change in attitude towards me. I don't know if she just got too immersed in her role and started taking it too seriously. But for some reason, it seemed like she was picking on me. She started ordering me around and speaking a bit rudely. She kept asking me to follow her even when the cameras weren't rolling. I didn't like it one bit. So I went to Sham and requested him to intervene. Why? He asked. She's gotten into her role. The scenes are coming out well. Go with it. 
it would be good for your role as well i don't want to argue with sham over this so i bit back my retorts and just went with it this actor we all knew had once been among the greats in indian cinema but her life hadn't been easy she had married a man who had abused her and the trauma of that still showed in her mannerisms she also had a drinking problem which is why sham had warned us all that we shouldn't sit with her in the evening after the shoot we would all gather to drink eat and basically just let our hair down he wanted to keep her sane and sober during the shoot so i understood that keeping our distance would prevent us from unwittingly enabling her problem she was also prone to fits of rage and at times would take it out on all of us one day one of her lipsticks went missing apparently it was a very special limited edition shade that had been specially ordered from paris the actor was livid and sham was caught in the crossfire she was yelling on the set asking for it to be returned threatening the thief that they would not get away with it finally sham took us aside and asked if any of us had the shade that matched her description sony fortunately did so sham took the lipstick from sony and gave it to the actor who seemed placated i promise i will replace it once this is all over sham whispered to sony it was a crazy thing to happen on set but it was also a bit funny that's just how things are while filming sometimes bizarre things takes place and we walk away with stories for life overall i look back on my time in goa and know that i had a great experience filming trikal i didn't get the role i wanted but i was happy that i got to intimately experience mario miranda's beautiful home something not a lot of people get to do otherwise and i made some very good friends too nikhil bhagat not exactly my love interest in the film but someone who my character has to submit to was a wonderful human being the scene where we had to roll around in hay was shot by sham with great care and sensitivity there were only four people on set apart from nikhil and i so the whole thing was very comfortable but once the scene was over both of us were itching all over our naked bodies had been prickled and poked by dry hay and we were going crazy let's go wash up on the beach nikhil suggested and i happily agreed this was a terrible idea because the salt water stung us even more and our bodies were covered in red patches we finally decided to head to our rooms and take a normal cold water bath this helped a bit but our skin burnt and itched for days after after all that we had been through 
the scene didn't even end up in the final cut. Apparently, some part of my body that shouldn't have been seen was quite prominent on camera and Sham decided against using it. It wasn't obscene and definitely didn't involve nudity. But that was the thing about Sham and many other directors in those days. They didn't use romance and especially not love-making scenes to tilitate the audience and sell tickets. If it worked in the final cut, they would keep it. But if it didn't work or further the story, the scene would end up in the archives. Nikhil and I ended up becoming very good friends after this film. He was a wonderful person and a promising up-and-coming actor. But due to some family commitments, he quit his career in films and returned to Kolkata after a while and we sort of lost touch over the years. You are listening to episode 10 of Sach Kahuto, an autobiography by Nina Gupta. Home at last. Having my own house was liberating. I could come and go as I pleased and didn't have any restrictions. I missed auntie, but I also knew that living in my own house was a step closer to growing up. I was still struggling to find steady work, but having a place that I could call my own really lifted my spirits. The house, a 1BHK in Andheri East Shere Punjab colony, was on the second floor and really, really tiny. I mean, it was so small that there was barely any room to move around once I shifted in my furniture. The drawing room was small. The kitchen was just a little kitchenette. The bedroom was as big as my four-poster bed. It was just too claustrophobic. So, I decided to tear the walls down and make everything part of one room. It came to reassemble that would now be called a studio apartment and I absolutely loved it. Andheri East in those days was still being developed. In fact, the colony itself was not fully built. Buildings were still being erected and there were barely any residents. But I was lucky because an old friend from Delhi, Rajesh Puri, lived in the apartment right opposite mine on the same floor. There were only two apartments per floor with his wife. The apartment on the floor above us was occupied by Rajesh's uncle, who would in time become like my own uncle. We even had actor Shekhar Suman, who was quite famous at the time and doing very well. Living in one of the apartments on the ground floor of my building with his wife and children. The colony, though sparsely populated at first, was very active in organizing kirtans. The residents loved to attend this because it gave them an opportunity to exchange news and gossip. They especially loved to discuss Shekhar Suman, who was often visited by famous actors, producers and directors.
Do you know who came today? They would ask while the kirtan was going on. Did you see what she was wearing? Things were still a bit difficult because I didn't have a telephone and had to walk 15 minutes to the main road towards now the Western Express Highway to make phone calls. The neighbors could also be very nosy and judgmental at times. I honestly don't think about what people will say when I decide to do something. Especially when I know in my heart that my intentions are good and I have nothing to be guilty for. When my old friend from NSD, Deepak Khazir, needed a place to stay for a few days, I didn't even blink before opening my tiny home to him. It was cramped with two people in it. But we still made it work. I didn't think what people would say. Deepak is one of the most wonderful person I have ever met. Even in college, he was always there for us girls. He would be the sole boy in a group of girls in a disco, protecting us from strange, unknown men. He had been living in Bombay for a while and looking for work. He was also struggling like me. Very briefly, he had been without a home and had to sleep on a train station platform. One morning, he woke up on the platform and found that the person next to him was dead. This incident shook Deepak and he went back to Delhi to recover from the trauma. After he returned to Bombay, still looking for work and a home, he stayed with me. Deepak had always been there for me and now I wanted to be there for him. I would never let a friend of mine go through something like this if I could do something to help. But even though Deepak slept on a mattress by the door and slept in my four-poster bed, tongues began to wag in the colony. Young, unmarried women living with a man. Some nasty things were being said about me. But I did not care one bit. My intentions were pure and my conscience was clean. Overall though, I was happy in Shere Punjab. It felt like a very grown-up phase of my life had begun and being surrounded by more mature people and having a good, positive support system was amazing. I was still going around trying to meet industry bigwigs, spending time at Prithvi and getting some work. Thanks to my mother who ensured I had a lot of kitchen duties and did course around the house while growing up. I was also able to cook for myself very well. I would wake up in the morning, cook and then spend the day out. Some days I would eat out, but since I have a very delicate stomach, I would try to cook as many meals as possible or eat what had been sent over from Rajesh or his uncle's house. Even though I had been living on my own in Bombay for a while. This was the first time I truly felt like an independent and responsible adult. But one day, when I visited a parlor to get my waxing done, the parlor lady noticed some bumps on my arm. Can I see your stomach? She asked. Even though 
I only wanted to get my arms and legs waxed. I was a bit stunned but also worried because the bumps she was referring to weren't there the night before and I had barely even noticed them. When she saw the same bumps on my stomach, she said, You cannot get your arms and legs waxed today. You have measles. Measles? How? Didn't I have a measles as a kid? I was fairly certain I did. At least, that's what my mother had told me. So, I quickly walked over to a phone booth and placed a trunk call to my mother. Did I have measles as a child? Yes, you did. Why are you asking? I told her that I might have measles and she immediately asked me to go to a doctor. Do you want me to come there? She asked. No, it's okay. Don't trouble yourself, I said. But in reality, I really wanted my mother around to take care of me, feed me and pamper me like she did when I was a child. But I also didn't want to trouble her. Coming to Bombay had been my decision and I needed to prove to my parents that I could make it on my own. That I was a grown-up and fully capable of taking care of myself. Asking my mother to come and take care of me felt like an admission. I went to a doctor who confirmed that I did have measles. It was rare for the virus to recur as an adult. But it wasn't unheard of. And that's how I found myself quarantined in my house for almost a month with nothing to do. I couldn't read or watch TV because the virus had spread painfully to my eye. I couldn't meet anybody and nobody could come visit me because it was contagious. I couldn't call anybody on the phone because I didn't have a phone. I couldn't cook because I had absolutely no energy. My kind neighbors supplied me with food. So, I didn't go hungry. But I was starving for some company. A bit of love and affection. One afternoon, I was lying on the mattress I had put on the floor of my living room. I had left the door azar and was listening to the sounds of a radio playing somewhere and trying to catch any signs that indicated that there was still life outside in the world. Right then, I heard something that drew my attention, wandering everywhere and nowhere at the time, to the staircase. I heard someone say, Oof! And I understood it was someone, elderly person, who had trouble climbing up the stairs. Then I heard a sound uttered in a voice that unmistakably belonged to someone I knew. Could it be? I didn't dare get my hopes up. A few seconds later, my mother emerged from the staircase and stood there with her bags and baggage, smiling broadly at me. She had come after all. She had come all the way from Delhi and up two flights of stairs to take care of me. I hadn't realized how alone and miserable I had been during my illness. I felt like a child again when she took me in her arms, reassured by her presence. 
she spent the next few weeks taking good care of me she cooked for me kept me entertained with stories from our neighborhood in delhi and ensured i was always comfortable having her there really speeded up my recovery i felt i have many memories of my mother from the time i was a little girl to when i grew up but i think this memory of our time together because of my illness is by far the best